everybody. Welcome to a way more intelligent episode of the podcast. At least that is my hope. Um, this was the brainchild of our very own Thor. Um, this is a podcast that is going to be very near and dear to his heart, uh, owing to the to the guest and the topic at hand. As you might have seen from the title, this is our podcast on world building and writing. And of course, it needs to feature somebody who is familiar with both those concepts. And it just so happens that we have two of those. I mentioned Thor. Thor is here. Say hi, Thor. Hi, everybody. I'm so chill and I'm so emotional ready for this journey. And we have, of course, our narrative designer, Sam, who is the leading authority of all things writing as it pertains to Amber Sword. Say hi to the good people, Sam. Oh, what? I'm not just <laughs> messing with you. Hey, everyone, how are you doing? Always happy to do these. <laughs> right. So, um, the purpose of this podcast is to shed some light on how the world of Ember Sword is sort of created in a sense. Um, and to go into deeper writing topics from there, those among you who are lore fiends, those among you who are writers, those among you, hell, who are interested in in the building blocks of storytelling are going to have a hell of a time with this episode. Um, and I would like to start with you guys' experience. Um, let us start with Thor. How long have you been writing and when did you start? All right, so um, I've been writing on and off uh, for 10, 15 years. Um, and um, I am. I started when I was around 15 years old. And uh, that might be. I, I, don't, I don't actually know if that's young to start. Well, I can hear that from Sam later, if that's you know old to start. But you know, I started around 15 years old, and I started, I, I would say, doodling, because you know, I didn't know I was writing. You know, I was just you know doing something. And it just happened to be more and more. And at the end of it, you know, I slapped a book down upon a table in front of my father and told him I, I wrote a book. And the context here is my father is also an, a writer. And uh, he was just as shocked as I was to see that I have actually written a book because that was not the intent of it, right? It, it was a spark. It was a, it was a story uh, that, that that built itself. Uh, but then I actually that was obviously and obviously it wasn't a book. Like what I dropped in front of him was was a sketch or a draft or something that that would probably be wrong to call it a book, but uh, <laughs> that would be an insulting statement. But you know it became a book, right? In the end, and and I had a little sister that uh, in the in this process had uh, heart surgery. Very well, it is serious in nature when it's heart surgery, right? But see, she could very well not have lived through it, but but she did. Uh, of course, have to add that she's she's uh, fine today. But at uh, just you know you know when we were letting her go for the for this heart surgery, um, I promised her to to finish the book, uh, and you know that that kept giving me the drive. Uh, what I don't know what would have happened if I haven't promised her that. But you know it was my drive, and I dedicated the book to her. And one of the main characters, I even heavily inspired by some of her greatest uh, traits in life so yeah <laughs> that's how i got started when i was 15 16 years old that that is quite emotionally charged i mean a lot of i have a couple of writer friends and their beginnings are, are usually born out of an idea they had and, and yours is that on top of something very touching which is 
quite awesome. Um, <laughs> Sam, what about you? Uh, I I don't know how I can compete with that. Story <laughs> yeah, <that's> because <laughs> coming out swinging like, here, straight heartfelt. You know, you're like <laughs> you're the protagonist of someone else's story right there about writer. <laughs> oh, that's um, thank you, thank you. Uh, I started writing uh, uh, when I was seven, so that was 23 years ago, uh, 1998. It was uh, I was uh, big into the Animorphs books, and uh, I. Uh, you know, they're simplistic books, you know, no offense to Catherine Applegate, but come on, they are. And uh, <laughs> so, you know, it was basically, you know, as close to ground level as you can with an actual novel format. So I started writing this, uh, these uh, <laughs> uh, fan fiction uh, stories, and uh, uh, the... I read them uh, not too long ago. Well, actually, it was a bit of a while ago. It was 10 years ago. I read uh, the begin and I like, laughed my ass off because of how they were written. You know, <laughs> uh, in the first page, like the the, the villain, uh, like, Visitor 3 describes how his, uh, how his blade ship got uh, destroyed. Damn, he said, I'm going to have to buy more parts at the grocery store. <laughs> and, you know, things like that. Uh, and uh, then, you know, I, I kept on working at it. And it was mostly, like, I wanted to say that they were original stories, but really they, you know, I saw The Mummy, and then I created a story that was suspiciously similar to The Mummy. And then <laughs> <laughs> two years later, after uh, I wrote the first Animorphs fan fiction, I took another attempt and i thought this was so much better you know now i'm nine years old <laughs> but uh it, it was still pretty hysterical then and i thought i was so clever you know filling an entire page and calling it a paragraph at a time <laughs> but uh, <laughs> no that uh, it started out with fan fiction and just really grew from there until i started taking serious attempts at writing when i was about 14 you know, actually, like, okay, this is the best story I could come up with, and, uh, you know, it, I got the nuances of writing uh, with, you know, grammatically down, however, the qualities of the stories, I'd say that they only started getting, actually, you know, noticeable, close to professional level by the time I was in college, so it was a climb, for sure, you know, that we're talking, uh, <laughs> uh, like, almost, uh, like, 12, 13 years from what I started as a little kid. I would like to build on top of uh, your humble fanfiction beginnings and to illustrate how far you can get with Drive. Um, I have, <laughs> oh my god, behind me, <clears throat> and like three people know this, a 150-page journal full of a Sky Skyrim playthrough fanfic, which will never, and I mean never, see the light of day. <laughs> Wow. Uh, wow. And one of the most mature things I did when approaching that was on the first page, I wrote beneath the just the title of the game, embarrassing but earnest. And that I think is one of the most important <laughs> things you can do when when aspiring to be a writer, recognizing that you're going to write absolute garbage, but if you persevere and stick with it, you you can take it somewhere and you guys are I mean, not <laughs> especially in Sam's case with starting with what he described as bad fanfiction. It's it's a testament to the power of perseverance. Um, so to get back to good writing <laughs> from the bad writing, <laughs> what do you guys consider to be the most important elements of good writing? Um, Thor? 
And, and thank you for calling what I do good writing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can okay, I cannot say anything else from how heartfelt your tale was. I mean, this this is hard assumption of my part, but yes. Well, I think I ran out of. It sounded like I had a different start than Sam. Like I didn't I didn't practice it. As far as I remember, I just started out with it, and it was like I didn't even knew what I was doing. Like, I guess everybody feels like that, but I didn't know I was. I wanted to be a writer. I didn't know I even wanted to write, right? So oh, that was a weird sentence, but I didn't know. So I just did it, and and it ended up, I think, okay in the end. Um, but for me, I ran out of books to read, so wow. I. I needed, yeah, and obviously I didn't do that because you can't do that, but I ran out of books I wanted to read, right? Mm -hmm. At least at that time. So, you know, <laughs> I wrote my own book because, <laughs> you know, I needed <laughs> something to read. It's so dumb, but it's it's kind of what happened. So for me, it's it's like you write the book you want to read, and it, it kind of stick with me. It kind of stuck with me that that you you need to be the biggest fan of your book in, in some ways, right? You You need to want to read the book you're writing. Like, that's important for me. Because otherwise, I think you lose the magic of wanting to write it in the first place. Um, and so it needs to be intrinsic for me. Uh, other than that, uh, I'm very inspired by Tolkien. Not Maybe not so much his writing, but his world building, right? Um, I am heavily inspired. I actually have a tattoo on my on my right arm uh, in, in Elvish, in, in Tengva language. Uh, in, in in the cursive uh, black speech variant, which says in uh, in in the closest uh, translation to English, it, it says, "Writing is is crafting a soulful universe for others to enter, but for yourself to find peaceful shelter." And it kind of addresses, you know, how I approach writing that I write for myself mm -hmm. and for myself to find shelter for all these thoughts and ideas. But of course, I want to share them with with the rest of the people uh, afterwards. So. It's essentially write for yourself and the audience will come. That is what you consider. That's, yeah, that's very poignant. Sam, what is your perspective on the most important elements of good writing? Well, I'd say that uh, having a good plan in place is uh, critical unless the point of your story is that there's not a plan. You know, a big, uh, like stories like uh, Boyhood, which is a movie, you know, it's a. Uh, it took 12 uh, years to make. Yeah, that yeah, it uh, was all about being organic and fluid with them doing rewrites until like hours before the shoot. You know, so I'd say that uh, having a plan where it is possible to have a plan that will be important because you know, if you have to make things up too much, then it gets problematic. However, however, I think that the what is tantamount with that is good uh, characters people in your movie in your book in your video game that have a good voice where it you won't just be neil breen playing every character <laughs> oh you know, hell with, yeah my man like like you know uh, uh hello i am the main character i am a husband and then it, it like you see the like a little girl daddy i'm four years old you, you know uh, it, that like a. Uh, if you don't have a voice, if your characters aren't fleshed out, it's going to actually really show because it's like yeah. this. This is fake, and uh, you know you want. Even though we know that fantasy world is you know fantasy fiction, yeah. you still want to be able to believe. You want to want it to be real. 
So I think that having a good voice and good characters are important because after you have your outline, then when you reach those scenes, your characters are going to start to build it for you. You're going to have this scene that might be a little different than what you had anticipated, but it'll be organic. So it's basically, you know, I, I guess that I created an Ouroboros of, uh, of uh, it has to be organic, it ha also has to make sense. And uh, uh, with that, you, you bring in characters who are real and are fleshed out, and you can let them do everything for you. I cannot believe that <laughs> of all things, I did not expect a Neil Breen reference on the podcast when I woke up today. <laughs> Out of all things, <laughs> you cannot, you cannot <laughs> accuse the world's premier auteur, Neil Breen, of not having a vision for his projects. That vision might be, I'm the best, I wear cool vests, and aliens run the government, and the government sucks. It's, it's <laughs> sort of a through line. Guys, oh my god, if you've not seen Neil Breen movies... I will be in chat once <laughs> this is airing. Please ask me for recommendations. He is the world's greatest movie maker. Back on Along, topic, yeah, alongside, Sam. Uh, yeah, alongside Tommy Wiseau. They're way up there. <laughs> <laughs> Neil Brees like Tommy Wiseau, but he keeps making things and they just keep getting... Anyway, Jesus Christ. So, um, to build upon the previous question, just to, just to illustrate um, those important elements of good writing, what would you guys consider your favorite book or world? Again, keeping the, the, the theme here, Thor. So, in context with what Sam said, I really agree because like characters in fantasy worlds can sometimes feel more real than real world, right? Because sometimes the real world actually feels kind of flat and fake. You know, that's that's the deep truth of the real world, right? So escapism is, is, is real here, right? So I would say I already presented Tolkien as something who heavily inspired me as well. Mostly his world building, not all of his books. But uh, and this is going back to um, when you introduced me, Svetlin, on these, these amazing podcasts. Thank you. <laughs> um, the Witcher world is something that I really, really do enjoy. And it's actually both the world building and the books by, uh, by Sub Subkowski, or how you pronounce it. Sorry for if I pronounced it wrong. <laughs> um, but it's so raw and it's so wild and it feels so real because it is so raw and it's like... He's not trying to veil something to protect me. He's unleashing it on me, and I like it. So that's it for me. That those books are, I really like them. Mm. You you have said it as much. So yeah, that tracks. <laughs> Sam, I would uh, say that my uh, like I'm not sure if I'd say it's my favorite uh, f so far as. Uh, like books are concerned, but I really do enjoy, I'm sorry, Tolkien as well. Uh, and it's uh, the way that's laid out precisely by Tolkien, not Peter Jackson. I'll get to that in a second. Uh, because, yes, here we Please go. Do. But, but Tolkien, he interlaces your, his world as he goes. And uh, that is quite impressive. He doesn't need a separate appendix, which which he does. He has those, lots of those, hundreds of pages long. Yep, uh, yep. This, yep. But uh, as he goes, he tells you what you need to know, which tells you in turn that when he wrote The Lord of the Rings, he, he was not just 
laying it out as he is going. There was a plan. There was a backup plan mm. to that backup. There was there were backups, you know, everywhere, A through Z, and uh, you know, he was able to enlighten us as he went. And I think that uh, that uh, the reason why may I say that uh, I said it only extends to Tolkien and not uh, the person who adapted his works or continues to Peter Jackson is because. Uh, with the Lord of the Rings, uh, Jackson achieved a wonder where he was able to, like, show off the Lord of the Rings, like something that was considered unfilmable for the better part of a century. And, like, he's able to impart what we needed to know without going overboard. Uh, however, you know, the way that we know that he himself cannot do that, like, he cannot create his own <laughs> glossary, is with the Hobbit movies. I know where we're going. Where, yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, where, you know, he took uh, one story, which had, you know, that had plenty going for it, you know, already with the appendices. Like, you could, we, we could have gone around with the Necromancer story, and it would have been beautiful, but he didn't give us that. He gave us that and all sorts of things that he explicitly made up, you know? And, uh, it, and it, stu it stood out like a sore thumb, and it just... It showed you, you know, there was a master artist involved named Tolkien, and uh, you know he wasn't named Peter Jackson with that, uh, you know that, and I think that was a perfect showcase. And may I also say, uh, like while I'm here, like on the flip side, what is not a good element of world building, like what has not shown to be good with world building is Star Wars. And before people are like, what? Let me say that. Go watch the movie Dune, or better yet, read Dune, because, uh, yes, that is not only what Star Wars is based off of, people, uh, uh, not only is that the truth, but you have fantastic, amazing, like, beautiful world building there, where each planet has, like, its own culture that feels like it has basked there for thousands of years. It's almost, it's world-like, while in Star Wars, when you think of a world, it's like, hey, here's a desert planet, or in the sequel's case, here's a desert planet, kind of, sort of. Yeah, I'm, you di know, I'm dying. And, yeah, I'm yeah. <laughs> like, and there's like, what they have like, a other, like, hey, this one kind of has a forest on it, and, and <laughs> yeah, 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 it's it's a planet. Yeah, it's a planet. And and there you go. Uh, that that's the world building of Star Wars. <laughs> it is world building in the literal sense, where there's a planet. That's it for the mo not. I wouldn't say superficially speaking, of course. Just just so I can avoid 19 million hate comments. Although love comments, please send them for that sweet sweet engagement. Um, Star Wars can be very well thought out, depending on who the auteur is. Yes, I mean, same yes, with yes. if I may defend Peter Jackson for a second. The Hobbit was the film series was more a commercial decision than an artistic one, where they, I, if I remember correctly, they brought him back and he didn't really care about making it all too long. And then they yeah. threw a whole bunch of money at him and he was like, well, throw my hands up yes. in the air. I'm going to give you something, but it's not going to be on the level of the Lord of the Rings because there ain't enough meat on those bones. And it was definitely something like it was enjoyable, right? But it was not what we wanted or what we yeah. had. Yeah. Guillermo del Toro was attached for the longest time and then, you know, he, he left it and Pierre Jackson had to jump in, and then 
uh, they're like, okay, let's do three movies, and then they start shooting the third one before they even finished with a script. Uh, <laughs> that shows. <laughs> that tells you everything. I didn't know that. All right. Yay, Hollywood. Well, ex explain something. <laughs> that explains a lot of things. I, I would like to stick with the topic of world building. Um, Sam, how do you approach world building? Uh, I start at the base level with what story I want to tell. Because believe it or not, people, I actually have the story I want to tell with Ember Sword, you know, beginning to end. But then after I uh, have completed that, then I approach, you know, what characters I need to tell my story and what parts of the world are needed for this characters to be at. And uh, then after that, it it's uh, like this everlasting tangential dance of uh, I need a part of the world, I need a character. And it goes on and on, and each feeds off of each other. And also, I think I've mentioned this in previous podcasts, once I have one character, that gives me the fuel for five additional characters. <laughs> yes. And, uh, yeah, and so they t keep on telling their own little stories, and, you know, after God knows how many years, uh, it's going to be like, well, what do you know? We have a full, <laughs> we have a full moon now. <laughs> uh, okay, that was not that was a pun, you know, that I did not <laughs> intend, but I am owning it right here and now. Which you should. <laughs> nice. Stamp of approval on that one. That that's interesting because for the longest time, and I, I've kept repeating this, I've always said you you went character first, but uh, it seems, and correct me if I'm wrong. It's it's the outline of a narrative that comes first, and then you populate that narrative with characters on which you sort of build more narrative. I mean, you did yeah, use the yeah. word Ouroboros, Ouroboros, I apologize, yeah, can't yeah, pronounce it. Yeah, characters, uh, yeah, uh, the characters, yeah, they're my lady, so to speak, mm -hmm. but uh, I still have to, you know, know what story I went to tell, and I had a ton of free reign to come up with the one for Ember's Sword. Awesome to hear. Uh, I mean, of course, we've done a lot of lore casts, uh, and a lot of that is very self-evident in the way you've structured short stories, in the way you've talked about the world of Thanabus and November Sword, and by extension, it's it's an awesome thing to just keep reiterating. Um, Thor, you uh, being the forever DM uh, <laughs> must have. <laughs> what is your approach to world building? Yeah, so so I like what what Sam said earlier Ed, about you know finding the voice because as a as one who has done a lot of D and D and lapping, I am very like I actually build a movie uh, in my mind before I write because I I has I have to visualize everything for me like their voice how they look, uh, not in details but like like a dream right you think you have the details but you might not have all the details it's like a dream it seems real right. Mm -hmm. uh, and and feels real and 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 that that's what I start with. Like I have to imagine the characters. I have to be able to imagine how they interact and and and, and it's very it's very visual for me uh, mm -hmm. when I write. It's almost like when I write, I almost forget I'm typing and I'm. It feels like I am, and I have no knowledge of how to actually instruct the movie. But it feels like I'm instructing the movie which I'm writing, and I don't even know if it makes sense because I have no expertise with that. But that's what I feel like when I do it. Um, so for me, it's very visual, and I often I cannot draw, but I often draw a lot. Like I draw maps, mm -hmm. I draw I draw weapons, I sketch weapons or persons or personal traits, just for me. Like nobody else is gonna see it. Maybe my wife. 
uh, and my, my little sister, which is my biggest fan. So, but you know, so I visualize it, and mm. if I can't visualize it, it's difficult for me to own it. Uh, but characters means a lot to me, so I am completely aligned with Sam. That is um, very impressive, actually. I mean, that's that's a phenomenal ability to have. I actually have a thought about that. Like uh, when I conceptualize a story, I actually see it as a moving painting. I can't actually think of it in terms of actors. And like with my uh, uh, short film from, uh, was it 2014? It was called Alistair Tebbleton. I actually did not think of them in terms of actors at all. And then we set up the camera, we turned it on and I saw what the film would be as like, oh my God. Really, that's a person. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I can't describe the feeling that came about when I saw that for the first time. This segues quite nicely. This is sort of a, almost a context break uh, for everybody listening. Um, besides video games, what other mediums do you work with or in? Well, uh, funny enough, uh, I, I've read comments that have been like, hey, who is Samuel Horton? And, oh, he used to be in Hollywood. It's like, excuse me, used to be? <laughs> like, uh, I'm a, no, I'm very much still involved with, with the film scene. You know, I have a few screenplays that are orbiting producers. It's like, okay, here we go. Is this it? Is it it? And, uh, you know, uh, kind of, uh, dare I say, uh, you know, use the term like around a toilet bowl almost with <laughs> water going down, but <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm involved with film, you know, I have uh, uh, something uh, here and there brewing, you know, including uh, an anthology exploration so we're going to see where that goes but um, I you know, also have, have been involved with uh, board games uh, with which kind of I accidentally fell into just because I was a writer needing a job in a few mm -hmm. years ago and uh, I suddenly wrote 36 Monopoly games and what? Like, oh no, <laughs> that's that, a really, lot that's, yeah my full-time job was to write Monopoly games and you know it's like oh now I have like a ton of uh, games I've technically <laughs> designed and they're sold in Walmart. And so, uh, yeah, the board wow. games, they just kind of happened. And, uh, which is kind of funny because I also, uh, like I've mentioned, I have a passion project that I have going on in the background called Star Thieves. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, that, that was originally a board game that I uh, co-created while in, uh, in, uh, college. And it's, uh, you know, is honestly the one thing from college that I wanted to do something with because the rest, it's like, oh, look at that. Okay, time for it to put on my big boy pants. But that was the one thing I was actually proud of, you know, where it's like, I want to make this into something. So I kind of am. And, uh, is, but basically, I like to, I, I won't ever say that I'm, well, I guess I have to if I, I keep on getting work, you know, film video game writer, but. I, I never want to limit myself to one medium. Like, there course, are ones yeah. I'm the best at, which is, like, film and video game. But, uh, you know, I just... If if there's a potential for me to do something, I'll take it. I, I have yet to find uh, the appeal with narrative uh, podcasts, but, you know, who knows? <laughs> but uh, uh, so far, I trust you, Svetlin, far more than I <laughs> trust myself with <laughs> managing those... <laughs> I cannot believe I'm in a call with the king of game nights and flyover states. 
<laughs> Monopoly in Walmart. Hell yes. <laughs> I've been nice. workshopping that sentence for the past 30 seconds. <laughs> Which, uh, I don't know how to segue into asking Thor the same question, but Thor, anything besides video games? Yeah, well, I don't think I've explored as many mediums as, as Sam as Sam has. Like I, like I primarily got into books and short stories, and I have published uh, a saga called the Sylvan Blade Saga, which is five books, uh, which I think I published between eighteen and twenty three years old. And now I've had a writer's block for like five years, so I hope we get around to that. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, actually, not <laughs> kidding. Kind, kind of true. Uh, but, but you know, what I mostly do is is D and D, and that should be of no surprise by now. And I approach D and D a little bit like book writing, actually. So I end up writing a lot for my D and D sessions. I create my worlds. I, I write out a lot of scripts, dialogue. Uh, 66% of what I make is probably never hitting the table. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I do a lot of work and, and it's like a story. It's it's epic, epic storytelling is what I'm trying to weave, right? So I think that has kind of uh, taken the role of what I used to do with book writing. But I want to get back in it and my current D&D world is actually in one of the worlds I have built for my next, probably my next series of, of books if I'm ever going to come around to it. Uh, so they're actually playing in that world in in the with the rules of Dungeons and Dragons, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Dungeons and Dragons and, and books is, is is primarily what I'm in, involved in. Um, yeah, Ouroboros seems to be the word of the day here because you are you were taking ideas from your Disney campaign to influence your own writing, which is like I'm coming to find out very standard practice. One of my best friends is doing the exact same. So it's awesome to know that that it's uh, it's a widespread habit well widespread two people i know but hey still more than one <laughs> probably yeah it, it just feels so natural like for one that's doing it it's so easy to do like it feels uh, as, as long as you're ready to explore your own world and share it which mm-hmm. i think you should be uh it's good mm-hmm. speaking of your own world um i would like to veer back into plot and characters um how do you guys go about developing your plot and characters uh, thor so we already touched a little bit about it, about my, mm-hmm. my little sister. And, and I would just like, I base a lot of characters. And this is also what you said, Sam, about bringing a voice to a character, right? I, I, uh, I base a lot of my characters on people. But before we get too far, like it's, it's based in a way that if you didn't know that person really, really well, you would mm-hmm. not know it, right? It's only for those who would. So it's, it's like deep traits of a person. Or it's like edges of a trait in a person that I think that's very interesting. And sometimes I only realize after having made a character that it's actually based on a good friend or a family member or, uh, well, something I, uh, someone I love or something I like or someone I really don't like, right? It can also be that way. But it's always like it's not one-to-one. It's a little piece of a, of a trait from a person, right? And for me, that's, that's what I think makes it real for me. Like that's what makes it easy for me to give it. Uh, give the character that voice um, and uh, and um, yeah I, I think I go about that uh, the plot thing I'm still very much learning because as I have mm-hmm. said my first books I just went with it and I kind of had to fix a lot of things along the way <laughs> because I did what Sam said I shouldn't do but I didn't knew Sam back then so I'm, I'm still learning about that now so I'm curious to hear what, what Sam is going to say <laughs> 
because uh, I could need some more planning when I write my next books. Well, Sam, you heard the man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I I first uh, come up with the central idea, and this is kind of uh, ironic, but uh, uh, most of my modern stories actually are adapt are adapted from dreams. Uh, oh. So basically, I come up with a core idea, which could be like a weird scene that happens in a dream and it's like okay how does that fit into it like what kind of plot would it make sense for this batshit insane bizarre <laughs> you know monstrosity <laughs> how could you have this uh play into it and uh, then uh, after that you know it, it's uh, kind of like uh you know an a balancing act of uh, how to expand it while without having it pop essentially because uh you know, I feel like the worst kind of uh, writer's block is actually when you force yourself to make a plot outline where a part is not inspired. Mm -hmm. So you basically have to you have to find the plot that you are most inspired by, and you won't feel like there's a single bland scene in your story where each part can be interesting, where someone can say, "Wow, like I was." Like, it was not just two people talking. It was two people talking about something that was crazy. This Like, talking about something that was interesting. And, uh, and uh, of course, uh, like, the characters, I feel like the biggest challenge is to not map out their strengths, but to map out their vulnerabilities. Mm -hmm. you, you find what makes them human. You don't... Not what makes them, you know, a Mary Sue or an amazing warrior or or a great leader, you know, or someone who, uh, like, has an iron grip on the northern hemisphere of Thanabus, you know. I think that <laughs> finding, you know, what makes them human and what you can relate to, that is the most imperative component when you come up with a character. Uh, because, uh, yeah, it just, how, how do I say this, like, you, you know, because at that point you're not really playing with superheroes anymore. You're not playing with, uh, you know, the archetype. You're playing with an actual person. It's uh, otherwise you might as well have action figures. You might as well have like an eight-year-old tell your story, you know, for you. Be like, uh, so basically you have to find where there's weakness and teaser everyone. Teaser. Ooh. Sever the Severed plot is actually one of the central themes about it is, you know, vulnerability, which uh, how you, how the community has interpreted some things. I think that they're in for, you know, a great show. Once we actually release Severand, mm -hmm. they're going to see a plot that might be quite different than what they anticipated. You know, it's not how it has all seemed. How it's all seemed is basically how I've wanted you uh, all to see it. <laughs> oh, that was a DM move right there. I guess it's also a writer move. <laughs> you have seen it how I wanted you to see it. <laughs> I feel like you've flubbed some dice rolls, Thor. <laughs> like, that sounded so <laughs> ominous. <laughs> Lift that was, screen. I, Let me see that net 20. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't stop it. Sorry, it was just, you know, yeah, that's how I say it. <laughs> uh, Sam, you inadvertently touched upon... One of the big ticket items uh, of the podcast, writer's block. Uh, the original 
con- concept of this podcast was born out of uh, Thor's desire to know how you get over writer's block because it's something that all creatives struggle with in one form or another. I know I've had various, uh, you know, encounters with that dreaded curse over, you know, where it was recording crappy YouTube videos at my friends or like video essays or writing blog posts or Ember Sword. Uh, it's, it's always rearing its head in one form or another. So, I mean, trying to learn from the best here. Sam, how do you approach getting over writer's block? Uh, I'm trying to find a nice way to say you don't. Mm. Um, <laughs> I Let me s- say that when you have writer's block, uh, yeah, it's actually critical that you put the pen down and uh, find something else to do. And that does not mean go eat a banana or go for a walk. No, no, you find something else creative to do because there's always something else you can do, perhaps on another project. And, uh, you know, with uh, with an MMO, what we're making right now, uh, you like there isn't room for us to dilly-daddle, but there is room for us to work on another component of the project. So when I reach a point where it's like, I don't know what I can do, you know, next. Like, what what happened when it came to writing the, like, to getting from point A to point Z with the Edison plot, I had to find something else to, uh, like, work on with the project until it, it hit me. So I'd say that there, like, like has uh, Stephen Hawking said, there's always something that you can do. You know, that, like, when there's life, that there's that. And so, basically do that don't like don't torture yourself and don't write just for the sake of writing because you're going to delete it you know the next day when you read it and realize that was super mediocre or not what you wanted it will be yeah i've done that yeah bland (laughs) scenes like like uh i i have this uh like a screenplay that uh, is in the in front of my favorite producer and uh, i just am thinking back to when i was writing the screenplay I, I took it with me when I was on vacation, and I did not know how I should write the scenes. So I just wrote them, and then I got back from vacation, read it, and was like, oh, look at that. And then I deleted the last 15 pages of it. Okay, let's <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so <laughs> basically, like, do or do not, and, you know, find something else that you could work on. Be productive, keep those juices flowing, like, anywhere mm-hmm. where you know where you can come up with something that you could write that you actually feel because if you don't feel it then that's that's actually worse in my opinion than not writing at all Mm, very very well said well thor you and i here are very much the students but you are published authors so nevertheless i would like to extend the same courtesy to you do you have any approaches to tackling writer's block yeah so it seems like I'm already doing what the senpai said I should do, right? So <laughs> it, it, it feels like because, you know, I'm being very creative. Like I have so many D&D campaigns. I am, I am writing stuff. Uh, I have friends who are trying to be writers. Sometimes I help them. Uh, I do creative work uh, also here on Embersol, right? As yep. much as I am able to. So for me, I guess it's the feeling of I am actually starting to kind of miss writing a story. Um, just me, because D&D is with people and, and Ember Sword is with people and I'm kind of missing, starting to miss just writing a book. 
going on this kind of lonely journey, at least in the beginning, but I'm missing it and I'm looking forward to it and I can feel it itching, right? Uh, like 10 years ago when I when I started uh, or more than that probably. So I think it's just like I'm starting to feel this urge to try and do it again because mm-hmm. so many years, like I've, I'm double the age I was back then. So, you know, so much has happened. So I want to try and do it again, right? Yep. But it makes it makes a lot of sense what, what Sam is saying. Uh, but maybe if you ask me in a couple of years, I will have some advice. We'll get back to you on that. <laughs> Putting that down <laughs> on the schedule. And to close out this very productive episode, I would say, uh, is a classic question in when, you know, two creatives get together. What advice would you give to a writer slash world builder regarding their first project? Sam? Hmm. Uh- just uh, thinking of uh, how, mo- like the most delicate way to, you know, describe it. Uh, oh, shoot from the I, hip. Uh, we we yeah. are used to dealing out the hard punches. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that uh, you should, when you start out, you should uh, not go into it expecting that it's going to be Harry Potter, you know. Don't have this be the one that you can't, like, go all in on, you know, when you first uh, make your uh, world. I'd say that uh, when you make it, you know, make it so it's efficient. Don't create, like, uh, extraneous uh, landmarks in your world map that we'll never see, where we'll never see it in the story, because they'll just, it'll, people will start to notice low effort. Basically, Go with what you need and expand from there. And, uh, you know, don't uh, feel discouraged. Don't give up. Just uh, know what you need. And, uh, like, that will get you through everything. Just what you need here and now. Very well said. Don't, in, in essence, don't overexert yourself trying to, you know, create the Silmarillion, I guess. Yeah. It, <laughs> I, like, uh, Maybe this is a little mean, but uh, there's this uh, self-published uh, author called uh, Gloria Tesh, and she has a, a, a book series called Maradonia, and in the intro there's a, a map where there are places like called Nissan Falls and, uh, and Ortega, which is kind of funny because like, it's south. So, uh, But you know what? You know, it's it's like you don't actually see any of these places in the story. It's like you put all this effort into this map and this world building without, you know, building the characters first. So basically, look at a map and remove everything that you don't need. And like, basically, follow the follow the blueprints. Don't don't try to build before you actually know what you're building. Mm-hmm. Nissan Falls is what happened when their CEO got arrested a couple of years ago. Anyway, yeah. uh, Thor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just want to pinpoint how good advice that is, because yep. you know that series I'm playing Dungeon Dragons in, which in, is from my my own world building, um, probably my my future books. Right, it's such a massive world I have created, and I have I have drafted it so many times that I have vastly no idea of which story I want to tell by now, because it's it's such a big world. <clears throat> so that that makes a lot of sense, Sam. Uh, would have wished you would have told me earlier, but uh, that would have <laughs> been an know. anomaly, right? So okay, um, I, I would say just do it. My like it's a lot simple, but I was as one who just did it and it went pretty well. 
like and and it changed so many things in my life and it was such a good journey and it was like i have so many friends and colleagues who want to do it and it's it's so easy right but just do it so don't think about doing it right or wrong just do it to mm-hmm. begin with because you know you you'll just you know you know you'll get caught by it and and suddenly you'll have something in front of you uh, and 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 I, I will say you know do it and don't look back and and don't second doubt yourself don't don't hesitate and and it's a lonely journey at least for me but it has to be sometimes but don't forget to share it it doesn't have to be lonely all the time so for example share it with your with your siblings your best friends or colleagues at some point in this journey you have to share it mm-hmm. so go on the journey don't look back and remember to share it before the end right uh, yeah that's it beautifully said and that is a fantastic note to end on thank you gentlemen for taking the time to participate in this super useful just deep dive into how you guys' minds work as, as you know professional creatives um, this was an awesome episode to record and I really hope that those among you who are you know aspiring to one day follow in the footsteps of you know the awesome guests of this podcast have uh, taken something away from this. So thank you once again for participating, guys. Thank you for listening, and we will catch you next time. Goodbye, everybody. Hey, you. You made it to the end. Congratulations. That must mean you like us enough to want more, right? Well, good news. We're all over the internet. Go to embersword.com and subscribe to our newsletter for a chance to play the game early, as well as the latest interesting tidbits on the game and the team. Join our lovely Discord community over at discord.gg slash embersword. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at PlayEmbersword for regular updates on what we're up to. And remember the basics. Drink water, be kind to each other, and spread the word about Embersword.